Our reading this evening comes from Ephesians chapter 2 and it's verses 1 to 10 and that can be found on page 1173 of the church Bible in front of you. Made alive in Christ. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace, expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved, through faith. And that is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Good evening, everyone. You are allowed to respond. Uh, Good evening. It's uh, (laughs) Thank you. It's great to be with you again. If we've never met before, I'm Simon. I'm the minister at Goldstone Church. And uh, before I forget, uh, greetings from uh, Goldston Church. If you want to join us, uh, we meet at uh, uh, Goldston Primary School, which is just off Elm Drive. We meet at 10.30, and if you come next week, of course, don't forget to put your clocks back. Um, So uh, that's the greetings sorted out. Um, As we turn to God's Word, let's start with a word of prayer. Let's pray together. May these words of my mouth... And this meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Amen. Several years ago, I had the privilege of leading a mission trip to Moldova uh, in Eastern Europe. Um, For anyone who doesn't know, Moldova is the poorest country in Europe. Our team went and led a a 10-day summer camp for orphans and disadvantaged children aged uh, between 8 and 13 years. During the camp, at the end of each day, the team went into the children's dorms with a translator to read bedtime stories to them, something that these children had never experienced before. However, because they were, um, well, a bit boisterous, basically, I was asked to go into the dorm with the ten oldest boys. They were about 12 or 13 years old. And basically, the reason I went in was basically bedtime stories didn't interest them. So instead, I offered to do a question and answer time with them. The first night, I explained the rules that any question was allowed and also that any any conversation would stay confidential. With a rule set, I asked for the first question, which I thought would be one of the usual ones, you know, sex, drugs, and rock and roll. Um, 
However, the first question surprised even the translator who was with me. They asked, what's the theological differences between the Salvation Army and the Baptists? (laughs) You weren't expecting that one, were you? I need to explain that most of the children were from Salvation Army centers in Moldova. So when they heard that I went to a Baptist church, which I did at that time, they wanted to know the difference. Well, somehow I managed to answer that question and we moved on. But the second question was equally impressive. They asked, why are you a Christian? And very quickly it was expanded to, why are you still a Christian? There we go. I was impressed by this question. This wasn't asking about where I became a Christian or when I became a Christian or even how I became a Christian, but rather why. And that's a question I think we all need to be asked from time to time. Why are you a Christian? For me, the reason why I am still a Christian is because of the personal and loving relationship that I have with Jesus Christ. I have an intimate connection with the Son of God. He is with me. He leads me. He speaks to me. He cares for me. And he is growing and developing me. This isn't religion. This is a relationship. It's a loving relationship that will continue for eternity. And the reason why I became a Christian in the first place is because of Jesus. I realized that even though I didn't deserve it, because Jesus loves me so much, he went to the cross at Calvary for me. And on the cross, Jesus took the penalty that my wrongdoing deserved. He paid the price for my sin. This was Jesus' gift to me. And by receiving this gift, and by believing on what Jesus has done for me on the cross, I am free. I am saved. I am guaranteed eternal life. I confess that uh, when I was first told that uh, 2017 was the 500th anniversary of the Reformation, my first response was, well, that's nice. Um, You see, uh, I'm sorry, but this event just wasn't in my diary. I know it sounds lame, but my uh, my phone calendar doesn't go back that far. And I know what you're all going to do now. You're going to go home and try it out, aren't you? But as I was preparing for this evening, I've come to realize that this Reformation stuff is a big deal. What happened 500 years ago hasn't just shaped the church historically, but it is still relevant today. So as uh, as we're looking at this this evening, the Reformation, before we go on, allow me to give some of the historical context that led up to the Reformation. For those of you who are here this morning, it might be a bit of a duplication, but I'm told that uh, it needs to be done. Anyway, um, this is the uh, 1500s, and Henry VIII is on the throne. 
Christopher Columbus sailed to America. Leonardo da Vinci painted the Mona Lisa. And a guy called Johannes Gutenberg invented the printing press in Germany. In this century, the 1500s, the church had become a huge institution of power that influenced every aspect of life across Europe and beyond. And it was all about money. For example, the church in Rome uh, was building St. Peter's Basilica in Rome, and they were raising money by selling admission into heaven. Yeah, even for dead relatives. Against this backdrop, Martin Luther was training to be a lawyer. And in the middle of a storm, he prayed that he would become a monk if God would save him. Well, he survived, and Luther joined an Augustine monastery in Germany. This was an extremely strict monastic order. And they believed that you could be spiritually clean and righteous through self-denial, through fasting, all-night vigils, sleeping in the cold, and hard, back-breaking work. But no matter how hard he worked, Luther still felt that he could not earn his righteousness, his rightness, before God. Then one day, Luther read Romans chapter 1, verse 17 in his Bible. For in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed. A righteousness that is by faith from first to last. Just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. And suddenly, Luther realized that salvation was not a system of works. Salvation wasn't what you did or you didn't do. Salvation is from faith alone. Faith in what Jesus has done on the cross at Calvary. Not long after this revelation, a representative from the Pope came to the town where Luther was living and began to sell what was called indulgences, uh, raising money for the building project uh, in Rome. Effectively, this was a sales rep, and he was selling a quick way for people to get into heaven. When Luther heard about this activity, he was horrified, and responded by writing an argument against the church in Rome. Then he took this document and he nailed it to the church door in uh, Wittenberg in Germany. Not surprisingly, this 95-point thesis was not accepted by the church in Rome, especially as it was challenging the way the church was able to raise money. As a result, the Pope declared what Luther was saying as heresy. But despite this opposition, Luther didn't back down. Instead, he used the the Gutenberg printing press, the internet of its day. And he used it and wrote and distributed several booklets. In these leaflets, Luther argued that the church in Rome 
was holding people captive by teaching that salvation was through what you did or what you paid for. Fortunately for us, uh, this 95-point thesis has been sort of compressed down into five bullet points. Uh, They're a bit easier to remember. We are saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, according to Scripture alone, for the glory of God alone. Let me say that again because that's really, really important. We are saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, according to Scripture alone, for the glory of God alone. This evening we're only focusing on the second of the bullet points. We are saved through faith alone. But straight away, we need to understand that each of these bullet points is linked and associated and dependent on the others. This is shown in the Bible passage that uh, Jan read to us earlier from Ephesians chapter 2. Let's look at verse 8 and verse 9. And let's read this out loud together from the screen. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. It is by grace we have been saved through faith. Which raises the question, what is faith? Or what is faith alone? Sadly, we don't have time to look at this in too much detail, but let me suggest a starting point. If you like, this is just an an ABC of faith. Firstly, A is for attitude. Faith is the attitude of heart, which is the opposite of depending on ourselves. When we come to Jesus Christ in faith, essentially what we are saying is, I give up. I will not depend on myself or my good works any longer. So Jesus, I trust in you and I depend on you completely. I rely on you to make me righteous and clean before almighty God. Secondly, the the B is for belief, for belief. John chapter 1 verse 12 says this, Yet to all who did receive Jesus, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Contrary to what people think, becoming a Christian is not a blind leap of faith. Yes, it's a step of faith, and that is required, but it is a step that is based on the firm and overwhelming historical evidence of who Jesus is. Faith is believing in the reality of Jesus Christ. Believing on his credentials as the Son of God. And believing that he can and he will make me righteous and clean before Almighty God. And thirdly, C is for channel. 
for channel. I don't know about you, but many times I've heard people say, my faith has helped me to get through a particular problem. With all due respect, I have a problem with that statement. Why? Because the phrase, taken on its own, sounds like someone has faith in faith. But the Bible never says that the goodness of our faith will earn us any favor with God. No, faith is the avenue. Faith is the channel. Faith is the the conduit that leads me to the person in whom I have placed my trust. Faith leads me to Jesus Christ, God's only Son. Jesus is the one who makes me righteous and clean before Almighty God. Put all this together and we see why Martin Luther insisted so strongly that our salvation was not because of any good that we could do, but it was only through faith alone in Jesus Christ. Faith sets our heart attitude to trust completely in Jesus Christ. Faith brings us to believing on the reality of Jesus Christ. And faith guides us to the person of Jesus Christ. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. Not by works, so that no one can boast. But let me flip this around for a moment. Let me ask, what if? What if it wasn't by faith alone? Many years ago, when I was an accountant, uh, I remember working on some numbers for hours, uh, and I just couldn't get them to balance. Uh, I knew that there was a mistake somewhere, but no matter how long I looked, I just could not see the error. Finally, I asked for help and passed the work across to a colleague. And you all know what just hap- what happened next, don't you? Within a minute, she had found the error and the job was done. My colleague had brought a fresh perspective. She had looked at the situation from a slightly different angle and something new had been learnt. So, at the risk of um, skirting perilously close to heresy, and you're allowed to laugh nervously at this point, um, uh, let me ask the what-if question. What if salvation was by works? What would happen if our eternal salvation did depend on what we did and how we behaved. Let me make three suggestions. Firstly, there'd be fear. There'd be fear. If our salvation depended on what we did, very quickly we would become afraid that we hadn't done enough. Effectively, life would be one long anxiety attack. We would always be striving to do better and afraid that more should have been done. Secondly, we would be envious. There would be envy. 
If salvation depended on what we did, we would constantly be looking around at what other people were doing. If they were doing better than we were, we would be envious and jealous. Similarly, if we were doing better than others, woohoo, then we would feel proud and arrogant. Thirdly, there'd be guilt. If our salvation depended on what we did, we would never be able to wash off our sense of guilt and shame and disgrace and embarrassment. We would always be living in the disappointment from those minor failures and misdemeanors that litter our lives. So close, but still so guilty. It's depressing, isn't it? And then this was what Martin, Martin Luther experienced 500 years ago. One Bible commentator describes it as the life of a miserable, doomed sinner. Hmm. More significantly, one common factor uh, stands out. Because if salvation depended on what we did, then the focus would always be on us, not on God. Salvation by works is how you run a competition to find a winner. And the focus is on the competitors. But this is about a relationship with Almighty God. He is the focus. God is seeking a personal, loving relationship with each one of us. Which brings us back to Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. For it is by God's grace that we have been saved through faith. It is the gift of God. It is a gift from God, not a competition. What is, what if, and lastly, what now? What now? One of the Bible verses that is often quoted during a, a discussion about salvation by faith alone is that James chapter 2, verse 24. It says, A person is considered righteous by what they do and not by faith alone. Now, if you take these words and you take them in isolation, it seems to suggest that what we do does in some way impact our salvation and our rightness before God. But that's taking the verse in isolation. If you take this verse and place it into context, the section in James chapter 2, 14 to 26, that is focusing on something else. James is not talking about works as a way of securing salvation, but highlighting the need of a changed life after someone has become a Christian. Verse 22 says, uh, in, in verse 22, James points to Abraham and explains that his faith, Abraham's faith, and his actions worked together. His actions made his faith complete. The word translated complete means to make perfect and to accomplish. In other words, a changed life is the outward sign of the salvation that we have received from Jesus Christ through faith alone. 
last Sunday during the service at Goldstone Church, uh, we rejoiced with two of our members who were celebrating their 50th wedding anniversary. Now, David and Hilary have both been deaf from childhood, and uh, despite the challenges, they have stayed together, working and supporting each other. My point is this. What David and Hilary do for each other is the outward sign that they are married to each other. They don't do what they do to get married because they were married 50 years ago. They don't do what they do to keep being married because Christian marriage is for life. What David and Hillary do each day for each other, they do because they have a deep love relationship with each other. Their actions are an outward sign of their personal relationship. Which brings us back to the what now of, of the salvation that we have received from Jesus Christ through faith alone. When we become a Christian, this is just the start of an eternal love relationship with Jesus. And this relationship is publicized to those around us through what we do in our daily lives. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 18, is the last verse of the Apostle Peter's two letters. Effectively, these are Peter's final words. And he says this, Grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and forever. As Christians today, our what now, is that we are called to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. What is, what if, what now? I close with a story of a house that caught fire. And the fire was so powerful that the young boy that lived in the house was forced to escape out onto the roof. The father stood on the ground below and with outstretched arms called to his son, Jump! I'll catch you! The father knew that the boy had to jump to save his life. But all the boy could see was flame and smoke and blackness. Not surprisingly, the boy was afraid to leave the roof. So the father kept shouting, Jump, I will catch you. But the boy shouted back, Daddy, I can't see you. To which the father replied, But I can see you, and that's all that matters. Salvation is by faith alone. It is faith, not because of what we can see, but faith in the absolute certainty that we are seen by our Heavenly Father and He loves us unconditionally. This week, let us live out 
our assurance of God's love for us by faith alone. Amen. Let's pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for speaking to us through your word today. Thank you for pointing us to Jesus, our loving Savior. Thank you, Jesus, for your grace and love towards us. That you were willing to pay the price on the cross for our wrongdoing. Thank you that by believing on what you have done for us at Calvary, we are free, we are saved, and we have the promise of eternal life with you. Through the power of your Holy Spirit, help us this week to live our lives worthy of being called your followers. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.